God. Thank you for your goodness, God. Thank you for your goodness. God, so worthy you are, Jesus. So worthy. So worthy, so worthy, so worthy. There's none like you. There's none like you. There's none like you. Oh, yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. So good, so good, so good, so good. and our minds and our ears to receive 
what it is that you have for us this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Wherever you are, you can be seated. <laughs> I just haven't got to say that in a long time, so I just felt like saying that this morning because there's no one to be seated, but hey, it's all good. What I want to preach about this morning, the title of my message is, Don't Let the Devil Steal Your Faith. Don't Let the Devil Steal Your Faith. There's a great man of God and woman of God um, that I know of in, in Scripture, or I'm Scripture, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know him personally, but I've watched many of his messages. He's an inspiration to me, and his name is Billy Cole. Billy Cole was a great man of God. He was a preacher of all preachers. The dude was phenomenal. His testimonies and his experience just blow my mind. And it's in his preaching that I get the mindset that, you know what, if he can experience that, I don't want to just tell his stories. I want my own stories to tell. Because I want to experience that same powerful God that I know and that he knew. But I've been reading his biography called The Life and Ministry of Billy and Shirley Cole. And it's written actually by two different people. It's written from the accounts of Shirley and the accounts of Billy. But someone else also kind of helped put some things together. So it's not complete biography, but it's pretty close. But there is a story, if you would take, if you would bear with me a little bit of time to read this, this little story he, that, that's found in, his, in the book here. It's a great story. And it's, again, the life and the ministry of Billy and Shirley Cole. He was, at this time, he was a young evangelist, a young man. Uh, they only had one child at the time, and I think they always only had one child, but she was a little girl, a little baby at the time, or she wasn't that old, I think maybe two years old. And he was up in Canada preaching, and there was a place he was supposed to go preach in that church. <clears throat> they had another evangelist, evangelist there, and they were doing, the, the guy that was preaching, he was going really great, and um, he just didn't feel led to, uh, to have Brother Cole there. So Billy Cole, he was sent, he found another preacher, another pastor at a church, this, this this pastor did and sent him to this other man. And so this pastor arranged for me to preach a revival at another church. And the pastor at that other church was a superintendent of the organization. But he should have been a pastor in the Episcop Episcopalian church because he was more Episcopalian than Pentecostal. As a matter of fact, when he died, he was attending an Episcopalian church. They had an auditorium that echoed terribly. But normally they had such quiet services that the echo was hardly ever noticed. So my dad, he had always taught me to pray loud and to preach loud. I didn't know where there was any, I didn't know there was any other way. It seemed to me that the louder and faster you preached, the more anointing you had. I had been taught all my life that the necessity of having the Holy Ghost uh, to be born again, that you must have it. But this pastor did not believe that the Holy Ghost was necessary, but that it was I, but that is what I preached every single service. That building echoed and each word reverberated repeatedly. One little sister shook hands with me and all she could say was dynamite, dynamite. But the pastor never said anything to me after the service. We went home to the preacher's house and we were staying in the upstairs room. And he never said one word the whole way home, not one word. He was as silent as a stone. I loved and respected older people and I waited hand and foot on him, helping him with his coat and his boots I was young and very strong. I was helping him with his coat, and surely my 22-year-old wife was walking up the steps carrying little Brenda. He finally asked me where I got scripture for all that loud preaching. And I replied, I don't know, but I guess it is the same chapter where the Bible says to preach quiet and easy. <laughs> Shirley almost fell down the steps backwards. It scared her so badly. Well, the next night, he would not let me preach in that auditorium. He moved us down to a little chapel in the basement of the church. It was a very small chapel, but it was the only place available because he would not let me preach in the auditorium after the first night. I preached the very best I could, but I was not a great preacher. I was young and as green as grass, and I preached with all my heart what I knew to preach. They did not respond to anything I had to say. There was only 15 to 20 people there at the most, and the chapel could have seated at least 40. I preached on Ezekiel's boneyard, and I told them everything I knew within 20 minutes. I... I then said, you, 
You say you want revival, but you don't pray. You don't come around the altar. You don't do anything to make revival happen. How can you have revival if you do nothing about it? I told them. You should at least come around the altar and pray. Y'all need to pray even if there's no one expected to receive the Holy Ghost. I turned the service over to the pastor at that time. And he sat on the front pew instead of sitting on the platform. And I knew that he did not appreciate the way I preached. He appeared to just despise every minute of my message. I went over to the side and I knelt down and I prayed, God, I really went for broke here tonight. I went all the way and if you don't help me, then I'm done. I'm finished. I'm just a young preacher up here in Canada and you're going to have to help me. That old pastor got up and asked, well, do you want to pray or do you want to go home? I thought he was totally disgusting. He showed me no respect for me because he thought I was just a hick from West Virginia Hills. There was no immediate response, so he told them, well, I guess we'll just go home. He called another brother to pray the dismissal of prayer. The brother did not get five words out of his mouth until he broke into strong speaking in tongues. He spoke in tongues powerfully, and then, bang, six people were knocked to the floor just like that. They all hit the floor like a ton of bricks, including the man who had asked, was asked to dismiss. One of the men that hit the floor was a policeman in full uniform. He was a sinner man when he hit the floor, but he received the Holy Ghost that night. That old pastor sat there and wagged his head, and he thought it was the craziest thing he'd ever seen. He got up and went outside and sat in his car, and he waited until everything calmed down. It was about two hours later before we left. Because those people stayed right there. That very next night, they could not get into the building. It was so packed. We could not, he could not let them upstairs. He would not let them upstairs into the main auditorium. They packed that little chapel. And some even had to stand outside. Those people were so hungry for revival. The news really got around after the Holy Ghost fell in that Wednesday night service. The policeman that was filled with the Holy Ghost later left the police force and became a fireman. And he was in the church for years until God took him home. Many of the people followed us to other churches where we were conducting prayer revival, revivals. Like I said this morning, my message title is, my challenge to us is to not let the devil steal your faith. This great man of God, Billy Cole, you can only imagine, I couldn't imagine if I was preaching somewhere and the preacher didn't want me there. The pastor even just got up and practically mocked me in front of everyone. I would be just doing the same thing Brother Cole did. I sat in that corner and said, God, you're going to have to do something because I'm out of here. It ain't going to work this way. And God is a God that will show his faith. The devil was attacking him. The devil was trying to kick him out. And he was trying to do that the wrong way. But the devil can't stop a Holy Ghost revival. The devil can't stop your faith if you don't allow him to. So I want to talk to us about how. To not let the devil steal your faith. Number one, kill the lions and the bears that are in your closet. 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 37 says, And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him and smoked him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and I smote him and I slew him. The servant slew both the lion, thy servant, speaking of David, thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go and the Lord be with thee. Listen, it is critical if, for us to kill lions and bears that sit in our closets. If you want to have faith in God, if you want to defeat your giants that the devil tries to press against you, you got to learn how to kill the lions and the bears that are in your life. Lions and bears can be almost anything. See, it was in David's private life of, of defeating the lion and the bear that God brought him into the public life of defeating the giant. You look in the scripture, you look at other categories, you look at um, for Moses when he, when he came and he parted the Red Sea. Before Moses ever was used to part the Red Sea, before Moses was ever used to do the ten plagues before Pharaoh, Moses had to spend 40 years in the wilderness killing everything that was in him that would affect God working through him. 
He had to kill some lions and some bears that sat in his closet. When you look at, look at Peter, Peter, before he ever preached the book of Acts, the first message of the book of Acts, Peter had to get alone with God. He had to confront his denial. He had to confront his pride. Your lions and bears can be anything. It can be sin. It can be sin in your life. It can be a worldly thing in your life. Something you keep holding on to, you keep putting in that closet, and you won't let it out. Look at the story of Judas. Because Judas never killed his lion and his bear when he was faced with giants of temptation to turn against his Savior. He fell. He walked right into it. And the devil stole his faith. Stole everything from him and annihilated him and walked all over him. But you've got to ask yourself, what are the lions and bears in my life? Could it be something worldly that you still get involved in that still causes temptation into your life? If you want to have a breakthrough in your life, you've got to dig into that closet and you've got to slew lions and bears so that God can use you to slew giants. Whatever the giant is in your life, whatever the giant that faces you in your life, you have to first go to your private life and destroy those very things that can affect your giant killing life. I know people that have come to me, I've been in the same boat or sometimes you feel like there's a wall that you keep hitting. There's a giant that you keep trying to take down. But for some reason it just keeps getting taller and taller. When you look at David. When David committed his sin with Bathsheba. And then committed the, 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 the murder of Uriah. He sat there and he tamed his giant. He kept taming it. He never killed it. He kept taming it. He kept allowing it to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. That's why people that struggle will struggle with addictions, which is a very common thing in this area of Bemidji, is a spirit of addiction. If we want to overcome something in this area, you got to come back with, get with the opposite. A great story in the Bible about a man named Ehud who killed a fat man, a king. The Bible says a fat man. The Bible We'll only use words if necessary. And what God was trying to pull out here is that for Israel to get the deliverance it needed, it needed a judge, it needed a person in his private life to go fight the flesh, to go fight flesh gone off, gone wild, and to kill that, that fat king that was holding down the people. And when he killed them, the giant fell, or the lion fell, and then the, the um, giant that faced them of the army that was against them fell, and Israel was delivered. You had to take a man that would go into his private life and kill that flesh. I'm sorry, there's, there's things that you watch, you think you might be strong enough, but there's things you watch that will bet you would to pull you down and, and, and pull you away and turn you away from God. There's things that you can listen to that you might think is not a big deal, but after a while it's going to mess with you, it's going to take you away from God. There's things in your life that you've got to find the giants. There might be bitterness in your life. You might struggle with insecurity. That might be the line in your life that you've got to crush and get, get go against. Whatever it is, find out. Ask yourself, what are my lions and what are my bears? Number two, in order to not let the devil steal your faith, you've got to stand on your testimony. You've got to learn how to make memorials. For they're very, very important. Memorials are things that will remind you. We're, we're right around the corner. It's the weirdest thing. I can't even believe that. I think Memorial Day is like next week. It's a week from Monday. I don't even feel like it's a week from Monday because of this whole coronavirus. And, but if you look at it, memorials are something that, that reminds us of things that took place. You go to the Lincoln Memorial, remind of a great leader named Abraham Lincoln, the Washington Monument. You've got all these things in our land and across our world. You go to South Dakota and you can find the, the, four, the four presidents and then you can also find a crazy horse and, and all these things. That they're monuments, they're memorials to remind us. Remind us of victories, remind us of triumph. There's people... And the scripture that you can find that would go back to their testimony. 1 Samuel 17, 54. After David slew Goliath. I never caught this part. It says that David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem. But he put his armor 
in his tent. David, he was a giant. You're never going to be able to fit in his armor. You're not going to ever be able to put that stuff on. Why did David do it? I wonder how often David pulled that armor out when he faced new giants in his life. To remind him of the giant that God helped him slew. It was obvious that he kept it as a reminder because he could never fit in it. I wonder how many times Zacchaeus goes back to the sycamore tree and brings his grandkids and reminds him of God's grace. Come on, son, come and look at something. See, this tree, this was the tree when I was a sinner. I was, a, I was the bona fide sinner of all sinners. But Jesus called him to me. And he called me out of that tree. And he came to my house and brought me salvation. I want to remind you of God's grace. I don't deserve salvation. I don't deserve his grace. But he gave it to me. And son, he can give it back to you. Remember this good old tree. Because it's a tree that called grandpa out of sin. I wonder how many times Paul would journey back to the road. The very spot on the road of Damascus. To remind himself of his calling. After he got stoned or after he got kicked out of the town. After he had the shipwrecks and the disease and sickness that he went through. I wonder if there was times that Paul would go back to that spot and say, God, you've called me. God, I haven't seen someone get the Holy Ghost in a while. God, I'm being ridiculed. I'm being, I'm being persecuted. But I know it was you that called me here on this road. I know it was you that led me to Ananias. I know it was you that filled me with your spirit. It was you that blinded me and got me out of what I was in. Kind of remind yourself of your testimony. I wonder how many times Peter went back to that body of water whenever he was struggling because his prayers weren't answered, because he might have laid hands on somebody and they weren't healed. I know that not every single person that did, that Paul or Peter laid hands on ever was healed. I know not every time his shadow passed every single individual, they received their miracle because even Jesus himself didn't heal everybody. So I know Peter didn't either. So I'm pretty sure there was times of Peter. I'm just, I'm just going on my own, uh, my own thought about this. Just go ahead and venture down with me. I wonder how many times Peter had to go back to that water and say, I walked on water one time when God called me out. I walked on that water. I know I did. I remember I, when I walked on that water when he called me. I know you can do it again, Jesus. I know you can do it again. I wonder how many times he walked back to that gate called Beautiful and said, God, you used me right there. I put my hand up and that man jumped up that was lame in his feet and the revival sprung out right after that. You have to take, if the devil's going to, he's going to try to take your faith and you're going to have to take yourself back to your testimony. Take yourself back to whatever it is that God has done for you in your life. I wonder how many times Daniel took a trip every year to the lion's den where God Shut the mouths of those lions. I wonder how many times the patriarchs, Isaac and Abraham, visited the mountain where God provided. <laughs> I love this. I imagine how many times Lazarus took vacations to go visit his tomb. Went back and said, I was dead. That's my tomb. That's where I was dead. But I'm still alive. I still have the faith. I still have God in my life. I don't care what you say, devil. I see my imprint. My tomb is right there. I was dead for days on end. I stink and I smelt, but I'm standing right here because my God resurrected me. My God brought me back to life. We must contend for the faith that God delivered to us and the testimonies that he gave to us. But preacher, my testimony is not like those. And my response to your statement is who said they have to be like those? Why can't the fact that your victory over bitterness be as big as David killing a giant? Why can't whatever struggle in your life, whether there's insecurity or there was depression, that God took you out of that, God delivered you from that? Your testimony is your testimony, and the devil can't take it unless you don't contend for it. Don't let the spirit of fear destroy what God did in you. Be disciplined, as the scripture stated in 2 Timothy, as we read in, in, in uh, 2 Timothy 1 and 7. God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Another translation says uh, self-control, discipline, 
You want to make sure you hold on to your faith, you hold on to your testimony, you hold on to your walk, then get yourself in a prayer room and pray about it. Get yourself in the book, in the Bible, and read about it. And get out there and reach the lost. Fast until your belly falls out. Give God the glory. Give God all that you can. Discipline yourself to not allow fear to take over your life. If you don't want the devil to take your faith, and confront him face to face. And tell him, I know my testimony. I know what God did for me. Number three, don't be shaken. Most giants meet us in our valleys. Giants tend to come in the forms of trials. But David slew his giant in the valley. If you ever stop and think, it says that it was in a valley between two mountains. Mountains are always known as mountaintops of victory. So that mountaintop of victory that David had, he was, he was already down from that, that testimony about the lion and the bear. And now he's facing another trial in his life. He's got a giant in front of him. But if you read the entire chapter of 1 Samuel 17, you'll find that his brother mocked him. His brother said, why are you here? You, you, you're just here because of your pride. You're just here trying to spy out on things. You little old runt, you need to get on out of here. And David just flat out ignored him. He didn't allow that trial of his brother getting on his case. His brother trying to push him away. And he knew there was a cause. He knew there was a reason for him to be there. He knew that there was this uncircumcised Philistine was unrighteous and wrong. And he needed to be defeated. And there was a God that could defeat him. Listen, victory behind him and before him. But David was not shaken. David walked. I love there's a song. I can't remember the title of it. But he brought a. I want to have the faith like David who brought a rock to a sword fight. You just stop and just think about some of these things. We got to learn how to slay our giants in the valley of despair. It's, it's, it's learning how to slay giants in, in, in our darkness, in our blindness. I, I spoke a while back, about a couple months ago, about the different aspects of light. And actually that darkness is actually a form of light. Because it's something we don't necessarily see. You can't see x-rays. You can't like you can't see the actual x-ray light. You can't see uh, microwave lights. And there's different lights that you can't radio frequencies. You can't see these lights. They're lights. You can't see them. It doesn't make it not light. It's still light. And there's times in our trials. In order for you to defeat your giant. In order for you to not allow the devil to steal your faith. You're going to have to walk through a dark valley. You're going to have to walk through a time that it seems like it's dark. I almost want to preach a message. I don't know if I ever will. Probably preaching it right now, I guess. Slaying giants in the dark. Slaying giants in the night. Because it's in the night season that the enemy wants us to worry and get mad at the night season. But it's in the night season that we learn so much. It's in the night season that God can make us stronger. It's in the night season that when we face the giant and defeat it, we can go marching back to it again later on. And remind ourselves in our next night season saying, no devil, you're trying to get that away from me. You're trying to tell me God's not for me. I can go back right where God took me. I can go back right where God delivered delivered me. I can go back to that situation. I'm not going to be shaken by you fearing me and scaring me. There's many today that are shaken and, dis and scared because of this whole coronavirus thing. And I'm not here to mock or make fun or even say how, how, how why, why are you so afraid of something compared to whatever you want to compare it to. I'm not going to stand up here as a virus expert, but I will tell you that there is people that have fear. And if you have fear of something like this virus, can I tell you right now, there is a Jesus in heaven that can help you through that fear. There's a Jesus in heaven that has your back. There's a Jesus in heaven that's there for you. Don't allow the devil to shake your face. Maybe it's not the virus itself. Maybe it's just the fact that you're quarantined. Maybe it's the fact that you're, you're isolated from others. But I can tell you, like going back to the first point, you got to slay your lions and your bears so that you can slay your giants in your public life. Sometimes what I believe this whole coronavirus thing did for us is it honestly reminded the church how important 
prayer life was, how important our private life was, how important our family life was, how important that stuff is, because that's what makes us in our public life. Finally, I'm closing with this. God is so faithful. He's so faithful. I'm so thankful for what he does. I'm so thankful for his mercy and his grace. He is such a great God, such a good God. I praise his name. I praise his name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So faithful. The last point that I want to bring out is learn how to stand on his word. David said, it's your word that I hide in my heart. It's your word that I trust in, Jesus. It's your word that I trust in, God. I know your word. And if I trust in your word, then I can stand when the enemy comes against me. Listen, it was Jesus that when he, when he fought the devil as a man, he didn't fight with his powers. He could have squished the devil. He could have killed him right there. He could have just done whatever he wanted to. But instead, he fought him with the word. He constantly said in Luke 4, he says, for it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. Every time he rebuked the devil, he said, it is written. But listen, you're not going to be able to overcome much in your life if you don't spend time in his word. I know of people, well, I, need, I need something, pastor, I need something, preacher. Something to help me. Well, have you read his book in a while? No, I haven't. How do you expect God to talk to you if you don't even read his word? we got to read his word. Because when we read his word, we will be able to remind the devil something. See, the devil, he knows where he's going. He's going to lay fire. And I always like to remind the devil when he's really on me. You, devil, could not even live for God. There was nothing to tempt you like that. You couldn't even do it. And I'm going to remind you right now, devil, I know where you're going. I know how the end of the book finishes. We win and you lose. But see, you don't know that unless you read his word. you got to learn to trust in his word. you got to learn to spend time in his word. you got to learn to spend time in what he wants to minister to us. God is faithful and he knows what we need before we even speak or even say because he knows us better than we know ourselves because he is faithful we have to learn how to get rid of those lions bears. And we need to pray and ask God to help reveal them to you. Write down your testimonies. Write down what those lions and bears are. Memorize scriptures that helps you overcome. And set a time of prayer and of Bible reading. Set a time to talk with God. Set a time to read it what he wants to speak to us about. I wonder how many struggle because they're not so sure what God wants to do in their life. They feel like they've committed too much sin. They've done too much wrong. But there's no reason for God to forgive them. I want to remind you this morning. Don't let the devil steal your faith. Don't let the devil take it from you. Challenge yourself. Find out what, what, are, what are my lions and what are my bears. Write them down. Write down your testimonies. I've known of some people that make a jar and they write out the things that God's done for them so they can keep pulling them out to remind themselves of what God did. I know of some preachers who in their Bibles, you know, some of my Christians in general, in their Bibles, they will write the words TP 
not told me. But TP tried and proved. They'll write it by scriptures that God fulfilled in their life. And they'll write and basically say, I've tried this and I've proved it's right. Because listen, you can go back to that scripture. And you can point your finger at the devil. And you can say, I've tried and proved this. I got my story. I got my story. I wonder where you're at. If you could just take your time. Allow God to talk to your heart right now. To minister to you. To speak to you. Can you just close your eyes for a moment right now? Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you for your good, your grace and your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your truth. And we ask you, God, right now, where everyone's at, I pray. Anybody that's listening to this, that anybody that's sitting in their home watching this, no matter where they're at, God, no matter where they will be later, I pray that you minister to them right where they are. And God, let them know that this message is for them. This message is for them to hear. This message is for them to know that you are a God that has delivered faith to us. But it's up to us to exercise our faith. God, there's so many times in the word of God that you told people, it is by your faith that you are healed. It is by your faith that you are delivered. You have the power to do all things but you still give us the choice to believe and to do something about it. Oh God, help us to practice the word of James when he said, I will show you my faith by my works. I will show you my faith that I have in my private time, that when I wrestled and defeated the lions and bears in my life, when I defeated the enemy that was coming against me, so that when I got into my public life, there was a giant that was going to fall. There was a giant that couldn't stand because my faith doesn't rest in myself. My faith doesn't rest in that giant. My faith doesn't rest, rest in the world and its systems and its secularism. My faith rests in your word. My faith rests in my testimony. My faith rests in the giants that you've used me to kill. My faith rests in your gospel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You are faithful, God. You are so faithful. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Well, I pray that this message was a blessing to you. I can't tell you how much I wrestled with it. I don't know. I had other ideas. I had a series I was thinking of starting. I had all kinds of stuff in my head that was going to happen. But God just would not let me get into any kind of groove when I was studying. I even started looking up old sermons. I was getting desperate. Then all of a sudden, God spoke Jude 1-3 to me. Contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Stand on your word. Stand on the faith that was once delivered to you. Hold on to that message. Hold on to that testimony. Hold on to that hope. Because that's what our city needs. That's what our state needs. That's what our country needs. That's what our world needs. Is hope. The opposite of hope is a demonic thing. And that's hopelessness. Because the devil is hopeless. He has no hope. He's hopeless. He's going to a lake of fire. But God never created that for us friend of mine, there is a hell. And if we don't get right with God, there is a hell to gain. And I don't want anyone to go there. I don't want to go there. God himself doesn't want us to go there. He never created it for us to go there. But his judgment will come to pass. But while he's on the mercy seat right now where you're at, why don't you turn the place you're at right now into an altar? And give yourself Give yourself to his presence. Give yourself to what you feel right now. Surrender to him. 
Remind yourself of your backsliding. Remind yourself of what God has done for you. And don't let the devil tell you that you can't have it again. You can. God has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a message. He has a faith that was contended for. And he's calling on you right now to contend for that faith that was delivered to you. Hold on. Hold on to it. Come on, single moms. I can't imagine what it's like in your home to only be you and those kids. Contend for the faith that was delivered to you. God will use you and he will bless you with those kids. He will bless you with those children. He will help you. I don't know. I just don't sense to close this. I don't know who God is talking to. But I wonder if you just surrender to it. Why don't you clean out that closet? Clean out that stuff that's in there. Come on, get rid of it because it's only going to destroy your faith. It's only going to take the faith away from you that God wants to give. You need to get rid of it. You need to annihilate it. You need to do what David did and that's chop the giant's head off. Chuck the head. Grab the armor to remind yourself of what he did for you. Hallelujah. You are so good. You are so good. You are so faithful. You are so worthy of all the praise and the glory. There's none like you, Jesus. There's none like you, Jesus. There's none like you, Jesus. So worthy you are, Jesus. So worthy you are, Jesus. I wonder right now, I don't feel to close. Why don't you just find a place wherever you are at. If you're in your car, maybe you need to pull over. Why don't you just take a little bit of time right now and just call out to God. Tell Him how thirsty you are. How hungry you are for His presence. How thirsty you are for that faith that was once delivered. Oh God, stir that gift inside. Stir that gift that was given by the laying on of the hands. Stir that gift. Stir that gift. Don't let that spirit of fear get a hold of you. But allow the spirit of love, power, and a sound mind to remove that spirit of fear right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, God is dealing with somebody right now. God is dealing this might be abnormal to you. Maybe you're watching, you're like, why is this guy still going? He said he was done. Because there's a God that I serve. There's a spirit that's moving. And anytime the spirit of God is moving, I want to get out of the way. I want to allow him to move and do what he wants to do. Come on, why don't you allow God to move on you right now? Why don't you close your eyes right now and allow God to deal with you. Deal with that closet. Deal with that faith. Remind you of his testimonies right now. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus. So faithful you are, God. So faithful, so faithful, so faithful. Jesus, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, come on. Why don't you just invite Jesus into that room you're in right now? Come on, make this your prayer. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come right now where I'm at. Come on, I'm surrendering to you. I'm on my knees. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord God, I'm nothing without you. I'm nothing without you. I'm lost without you. I'm nothing without you, Jesus. Come. Call the Holy Spirit to come. Come on. Holy Ghost, come. Holy Spirit, come. Come on, come where I'm at right now. Come right now where I'm at right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes, come on. Make that your request before God. Make that place you are right now your sanctuary. Jesus. 
Come on, all who are thirsty. He's inviting you. He's inviting you. He's inviting you where you're at. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. Oh God, you are worthy. Oh God, you are worthy. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. In the waves of his mercy, as deep cries out to deep. encourage you to take this message. You know, one time I had a guy that I was ministering to. I had been teaching a Bible studies as a college kid that I was when I was in college. And uh, he agreed he wanted to get baptized. He felt it was right. So brought him to church, got baptized that night. First time he was ever in service. Preacher that preached that message preached this title. You need the church, and the church needs you. And God moved on in a powerful way. He wept and cried. It was a powerful service. But later, the devil got in his ear, and he started questioning what he heard. And he actually had the audacity to come to me and tell me that I told the preacher what to preach. I looked at him the kindest way possible. I said, I'm sorry, you're not that important. 
You're just not. I don't mean that to be negative at all. I mean that to say you're, I, I'm not going to have someone message a service just for you because that's not my job and that's not his job. Our job is to be sensitive to what God has to say. If there's any moment right now that you think for a second that I just knew something, can I tell you I had no clue? Whatever God is dealing with you about, let him deal with you. Because like I said, I had a whole bunch of different sermons. But God changed it because he's sovereign. I even had that one too. The message I preached years ago, the sovereignty of God. I was looking at that. Thought maybe that was what God wanted to deal with us about, his sovereignty. But whatever it is that God was ministering to you about, I wonder if you just one more time could close your eyes and just ask God to encourage your heart and receive this message this morning. Jesus, we thank you for what we've heard. We thank you, God, for what you have spoken to us about. And we ask you right now, God, in Jesus' name, we ask you to help us, Lord, to receive your word, to receive what it you have for us this morning. Jesus, we ask you, God, to encourage us Challenge us, God, as you have. Lord, to take those lions and those bears and destroy them so we can kill the giants you want us to kill. To take ourselves back to testimonies. Testimonies, the, the faith that was once delivered to us so that the devil can't take it away. To trust in your word and to not be shaken. To make time to pray make time to read your words, make time to fast, make time to reach the lost. And I just ask your hand to be upon every one of us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And feel free to make comments on the page and share them. Share the, the messages itself. We'll be on Spotify. Usually it uploads in the next couple of days check out our podcast on Spotify. It'll be uploaded there. If you want to listen in your car, you want to listen while you're at work, or if you want to share it with a friend or family member, just look up New Life Church of Bemidji and you'll find it. I think it's actually just New Life Bemidji. God bless you. Have a wonderful day and an awesome Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.